This is Two Minutes About Time with Luke Allen and Robert E. G. Black, the podcast that takes a look at the film About Time, two minutes at a time. I am Richard Curtis, and I hope you enjoy it. And if you don't, well, you can just travel back in time two minutes and listen to something else. I'm one of your hosts, Luke Allen. I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Robert E. G. Black. Hello, hello. And with our special guest for this week, Brian. Hey, hello. So, Brian, to those who don't know who you are, could you briefly introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm uh, Brian Lockhart. I'm the co-host of the Marine Corps Movie Minute podcast, where we are currently breaking down uh, not a series of movies, but movies that feature United States Marines in some capacity, either as you know one of the main characters or about the Marine Corps as a whole. And we're currently doing a Clint Eastwood classic, Heartbreak Ridge, and we're about halfway through that right now. And it's our first, it's our first foray into the movies by minutes, you know, podcasting, and it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun, and uh, I'm happy to be here. Okay, and, and you're in for a heck of a week. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I am. I when I got these minutes, which I, I did enjoy, I'm like, oh, these are uh, these are some heavy minutes, actually. <laughs> yep. So, have you seen the film about time before? I have, but only recently. I, I think when we were discussing online. I, uh, you know, we, we talked about having me on and, and I was like, you know what, let me, let me see if I can find this film. I wasn't really too familiar with it. And I, so I'm like, all right, let me, you know, I look, I watched the trailer and I'm like, oh, this looks fascinating. I, you know, Oh, it's a spoilery trailer though, isn't it? <laughs> it, it? It is. But at the same time, I was expecting the movie to go differently than it did. I, I didn't realize how much of a comedy it was, especially at first. I also didn't realize how heavy and like heartwarming it would get towards the end. I and I, and based on the trailer though, I expected a lot more of like a, like a sci-fi like oh no he screwed everything up and now he's got to go back and how is he going to do this all over again and so as I was watching the movie I'm like this this feel is different than what I expected but I was enjoying it you know I enjoyed it yeah I thoroughly enjoyed the movie watching it I'm usually not a fan of movies that are start out as a comedy and then get sappy at the end and make you feel terrible. Because I didn't really think this movie made me feel terrible at the end. It was, even though it was a little more serious, it, it was very heartwarming. And I, I really liked that. I thought it was such a good message overall in this movie. I was pleasantly surprised. And if if I wasn't going to be guesting on this show, I probably would not have sought out this movie, despite liking people in it, you know? <laughs> so I, 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 I got to thank you, actually. And, and I actually spoke to my dad a few days after watching i'm like dad this is a great movie and he's like oh yeah i've seen that and he liked it too <laughs> so i didn't i didn't know he was familiar with it <laughs> yeah it's it seems to be one yeah which i think people forget they've seen it until <laughs> until you either talk about it or or they watch it again it's we've noticed that more and more that people as well we have on the show like the, i've had one of our guests was like oh yeah i haven't seen it but i'm looking forward to watching it and then as soon as he started watching it he texted me and was like yeah i've seen this before <laughs> it was really good i don't know why i forgot so i think i don't know i think it's one of those films which it's good that you saw it for the first time knowing this podcast because it means you've made a point of remembering it i think for a lot of people they see it once and then just forget it exists yeah it, it helps that it was not that long ago and my memory's not totally shot yet but you know like like i said i was watching it knowing that I was going to be discussing it and not knowing what minutes I would be discussing just the film as as a you know as a whole and so you know I but I, honestly I got caught up in the movie itself I like I said I I mean I enjoyed it that's good and I think 
Yeah, I mean, are you, are you normally a fan of Richard Curtis's works outside of this, or not really? You know, I I wasn't sure because I was like, all right, so I know the name, I know Richard Curtis. I'm like, but what do I know him from? So of course I, you know, good old IMDb went and looked him up, and I'm like, oh yeah, I've, I I used to watch Mr. Bean a lot as a kid. They I think it was either on HBO or Comedy Central used to air a lot of those Mr. Beans. HBO. Yeah, and and yeah, that's right. Yep. And I, my dad and I still you know, talk about some of the Mr. Beans that that we've seen. And in fact, we have a family friend that looks just like Mr. Bean. And we'd always be like, oh, there's Mr. Bean again. <laughs> uh And of course, I had seen the one that really sticks out to me besides this movie was Bridget Jones's Diary, the first one. It's not one that I would go back and continue to watch. But I just remember, you know, at the time when it came out and I watched it, I I found that funny. I, I enjoyed that one as well. <laughs> But I, I, I was really expecting you to say four weddings and a funeral for some reason, so it's good. Because Bridget Jones is one I kind of enjoy, but it's never worked as well for me as the rest of his films. Well, given that I, I really like About Time, like I said, so I'm I'm willing to go back and give some of these films a shot. I've never seen Four Weddings and a fu- Funeral. I've never seen Notting Hill, and he did that one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Notting Hill's beautiful. <laughs> and I've I've only seen the memes and the ending of Love Actually. <laughs> so I, I know everything from memes, you know? <laughs> I think that's where half of my pop culture knowledge comes from, to be honest. <laughs> I think, and I, yeah, I think there are some films as well which are so embedded in pop culture that sometimes you don't know if you've seen them or not. Like, I'm trying to think of any specific examples, but there have definitely been films where it's like, I don't know if I've seen this movie, but I know everything that happens in it. Yeah. So, yeah, so we open with Minute 101. With Tim buying something from the cafe. Hi. Good afternoon, sir. Eating in or taking away today? Hmm, take away, please. Yeah, no problem. Lovely. That's 424 then, please, sir. Thank you kindly. Lovely. And just your change, sir? 76 pence change. Thanks. What, you know, memorable dialogue. Um, <laughs> and. It, it is important when compared to the next. Yes. In a couple minutes. But I think. Yeah, it's pretty basic. You're probably going to comment on the same thing I've got to comment on, haven't you? <laughs> probably. To do with the change and the the well, how much he pays? Oh no no. Okay, because it's different. Oh. <laughs> oh well, you don't want the same treat two days in a row. You know? Yeah, okay. yeah, that's that's the only that's the way I've been looking at it. Like he doesn't necessarily, although he's reliving the day, he might decide to get something different. Yeah, that's how I've seen it. Yeah. So my first comment is about the tray of sandwiches, uh, because apparently Richard Curtis was talking to like the props guy or whoever was doing like setting up in this scene in Pret a Manger, and he was like, he says something like. Oh, when you do something about those sandwich trays, they just look like sandwich trays. And they were like, yeah, well, they look like sandwich trays because they're sandwich trays. And this was <laughs> an exchange that Donal remembered fondly and talked about on the commentary. And on top of that, there was a whole thing in the commentary as well. Vanessa Kirby was talking about, I think it was Vanessa Kirby who mentioned it. She said her friend afterwards was saying she's really appreciating the message of the film and was really nice to the woman who served her in Pret-a-Manger. Mujica says, does she realise that's not the main message of the film is be nice to people at Pret-a-Manger. Well, it's not necessarily being nice, but noticing them and realizing they're a person is one of the messages. Yeah. It's just like, because it's at this specific moment. That it's, yeah. Because I'm assuming this is Pret-a-Manger. I haven't actually been to a Pret-a-Manger, but... No, this is apparently for goodness cakes in Twickenham, which is down near Heathrow and nowhere near any of the other filming locations. <laughs> As we've already learned, that was wrong. It is a Pret-a-Manger. And, of course, we mentioned last week that serving girl is from Cornwall. It's just a woman who served Richard Curtis in Cornwall, and he was like, hey, you're good at serving, want to be in a film? (laughs) 
They probably weren't his exact words. She got typecasted a little bit for that role. <laughs> yeah, he didn't didn't choose her to play girl with bike. <laughs> now think about that though. Like if, here you are just doing your job and being nice, and then you get put in a movie for doing your job and being nice. <laughs> yeah, and there's a few of us who are just you know working hard, trying to get or break our way into the industry. And this woman doesn't even look for a job in the industry, and she gets in. Yeah. <laughs> Although I don't think she has a credit. No. Oh, I forgot to say um, when we were before with Carlos in the yeah. dark restaurant. I found. Oh, the waiter, yeah. I found Carlos. I forgot what his name was, but I found him. He was a real blind waiter in a real blind restaurant, and they just. But he's not got a credit. But it always amazes me who gets a credit and who doesn't because. This waitress, I mean, granted, it's a quick little minute in the, in the, you know, quick little scene in the movie, but she, yeah. she's there over several minutes because of the nature right. of the movie. So, and she's very noticeable. She's very charming. Especially the second time. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, I was going to save it more for the next minute, but yeah, the second time you see her, she's super charming, very noticeable. How does she not get even like, you know, a little, a little credit, just saying, you know, what, you know, server. <laughs> it doesn't have to have a name character. Yeah. yeah, I've always thought that, and I know that, like in in my making of films, I would want to credit everyone. I have done so far. I mean, I know they're not even, you know, I know it's a very small cast, but there was someone whose face we didn't even see in the film. We saw like her walk past in her hand, and I gave her a credit as passerby. <laughs> nice. I do have to make a correction. I think she does get a credit. It's just. Because the sign on the wall says, for goodness cakes, and I looked up their locations, she's credited as, uh, whatever the name of the place she said she worked at, Pret-a-Manger, Pret Pret yeah. Pret-a-Manger? Uh, she's credited as Pret-a-Manger server. Ah. Her, her name is, uh, Rebecca Chu. So even though they're not in a Pret-a-Manger, they're getting credited, it, it's being considered a Pret-a-Manger. Strange. Yeah. Well, or maybe For Goodness Cakes is also like a brand and they sell them at pret I don't know. It's just there's also an airport shuttle outside, so I figured that was right. Let me give him a Google now. Well, I noticed they had a big sign on the wall that says fat. And I don't know if that's exactly something you want to do when you're selling cupcakes or cakes. Is yeah, I want, I'm assuming that there's something that's, else. That's by the it. For Goodness Cakes poster. <laughs> I was like, I think that sign's taunting me is what I was thinking. <laughs> Do you re Well, there might be like multiple ones of those on the wall, and one says like sugar, one says like, uh, different things. That's admit your ingredients because that's what people are there for. I'm not seeing any connection between <laughs> for goodness cakes and so I yeah maybe that is just like a brand or something that's in there. It's odd. Like I say, I've not been in a Pret-a-Manger to know, but it is interesting. Oh, and then she does. We we forgot her line. She says, uh, "Thank you, hello there. Are you eating in or taking away?" To to the next person. So then we're in the courtroom. Not in the courtroom. Well, they're run, rushing to the, court. Them rushing in the royal courts of justice, like lobby. First. At this point, we know that is this the first point where we know that Tim is actually a proper lawyer now? Yeah, because he's even they got the robes and stuff on. So yeah. So they say, do you do you find the defendant John Welbeck guilty or not guilty of fraud? Not guilty. And that is the verdict of you all. Yes. Thank you, you may be seated. That's the exchange. And Donald says that he really thinks that that guy looks like a guilty man, and he was worried that people would take away the wrong message of the film, that actually the British <laughs> courts, like, pass guilty men as not guilty. Apparently it was a lovely chap, he just looks like a guilty man. And, uh, yeah, it was, that was pretty much... Even guilty people have to be proven in a court of law right. for them to be punished, you know? 
Well, he does look crotchety in this minute, even when he wins. Yes. And, and that was something I, I noticed. I'm like, you should be a little more relieved or happy. And he seems like he's, he almost seems annoyed with his lawyers. You know, they, they don't seem happy either. They're just, re- they're relieved, but they don't, yeah. they don't seem happy that they won. And then when they look back, you know, when Tim looks over at his defendant or his, you know, his whatever, he, the defendant looks like he gives him a kind of like a shrug kind of look. He, he just mm-hmm. seems anno- not, not like annoyed, but he's not happy. And you would think, Hey, look, you guys, you know, thumbs up. Hey, good job, guys. And yeah, whatever th- you've done, you're out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like he's looking at Tim like, yeah, no thanks to you. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> That's an excellent way to put it. <laughs> yeah, it's strange, and we'll talk more when we get back to because I I love the the second time that we get this, and obviously Tim's glad and let the defendant be discharged, be upstanding in court, and Tim's they glad. rise. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. I'm, you you, I, you I, just I continually ridicule your inability to say some lines because <laughs> you're yeah, a good right. Christian. <laughs> yeah, I I think it would be better if I just avoided that comment at all. Robert, I'd gone so far in the show without you commenting on it, and now it's just... Well, it's because, like, a few minutes in a row we had stuff that you skipped, and I'm like, it's funny. Yeah, in all fairness... Tim says, thank God. Oh. (laughs) I just, yeah, it's one of those little rules I set myself with this show, and it's... In all fairness, I was in two minds last week with the line... He he's the son of God for God's sake because I was like yeah. he kind of is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, debatably, he's the son of God for man's sake, but well, well that's a different matter. Um, Luke's lessons in theology. End of sermon. So uh, yeah, so Tim and Rory rise. Tim's next to a stranger with his headphones in, mm-hmm. earphones in. Which I think are they? App- I can't tell if they're Apple or not. Where's his? Does he move his head enough to see whether he's got a volume thing? You see them from the side the second time, so maybe they'll be a better shot then. They look like they could be Apple. Yeah. We'll just go with it and that it is. Richard Curtis, email in. <laughs> Let us know. Or that man, if you are that man, get in touch. Let us know. Imagine, right, if this guy has been listening to the whole show and he was just waiting for us to get to his his minutes before he gets in touch. See if he's got a credit. <laughs> <laughs> he should. He might be one of the uncredited people at the bottom. Guy in a, guy in a train or something. Like I say, uncredited, I assume, is just always when someone gets on IMDb and is like, I was in this film, add me. Yeah. <laughs> I'd do that, 100%. And I think if it's a TV show and in one time you're credited and another time you're not credited, it just comes up on your IMDb as credited, so that's good. Oh, I think, I think I, he's, he's not only has a credit, he's the guy who has a picture on IMDb. Graham Curry is commuter. Kind of like him. He's been in some good movies, actually. He's always he's always going to or from work whenever he's in a movie. All uncredited. Yeah, he's basically an extra. But he's in, like, Denial. He's in Jason Bourne. He's in the BFG. He should try getting a... Oh, there he got a credit. And him and her, he played Wedding Waiter. Oh, big role. Hello, it's Luke from the future here. Well, not from the future, but the future from when we record this episode, your past, because this is months before this episode goes out. I don't know. Basically, I just wanted to say I'd done research after recording... Uh, to see whether we could get this guy to guest on the show for a bonus episode, because I thought it'd be quite fun. Turns out it's not Graham Curry. I spoke to Graham Curry, really nice guy. Uh, he's actually one of the commuters uh, that you see sort of walk past the camera in the How Long Will I Love You montage. But I kind of want to keep this whole discussion in, because it was kind of funny. And uh, But yeah, shout out to Graham Curry. And we just still got to find out who this guy is. So if you are this guy, get in touch, guest on the show. 
Well, that's what I was going to say. I, I haven't seen BFG in a little bit, but my daughter was watching that over and over again for a while. So next time I'm going to be looking for him. <laughs> We're looking out for you. Can we name this episode after him? <laughs> <laughs> so he gets a credit. <laughs> in, in the form of an episode we can title, confirm he is that it's him. There is the photo does look like this guy, but I, I don't have them next to each other. Michael C. Martino. Hang on, I've got the minute open on the other page. I'll have a look. No, no, Grant, I'll get Grant in touch Curry with this guy. Oh, there's two commuters then. Oh, there's another. Uh oh, <laughs> this is dangerous crap. Well, there's also passenger Leon Corbin. But he doesn't have a photo. The photo on the guy Graham Curry kind of looks like this guy, so I thought maybe. Hang on. There's there's an uncredited commuter as well. Where are all these commuters from? Oh, oh that's a... Yeah, Devin, Devin Gibson commuter? Or I don't think it's that guy. Hang on, what did you say this guy's name was? I can't Graham see Graham Curry? Curry. Is he credited before or after Richard Griffiths? Uh, before. Okay. This is going to be fascinating for listeners, but oh, I genuinely... Like I genuinely want to get Curly in touch... Guy looks a little too old. I genuinely want to get in touch with this guy. It it could be him. Yeah, I I got a picture of him. He he's he obviously doesn't have glasses, and his hair is a little different. But it does look like him, the Graham Curry guy. Yeah, because the the John what's name John W G Harley guy is older. He's like in his fifties and dead apparently. Oh, that's sad. War Horse is another Richard Curtis film, so yeah. clearly Richard's a fan. I haven't seen War Horse actually. Um, but I need to. I feel ashamed to say that I haven't seen that one, and I didn't realize uh, Richard Curtis did that. But my parents love that movie, and they basically explained to me that my great grandfather basically did what the main character of uh, War Horse did in the film in World War One. He was he he was a big big farmer guy, and he knew animals, and he took care of the war horses. In fact, I heard a story that. He punched an officer for mistreating an animal one time, and nothing happened nice. to him because apparently my my great grandfather was a giant of a man. Yeah, my it was my my mom's grandfather, and they were all sizable on that on that side of the family. <laughs> so now I I, I got to uh, like I said I that's a movie I should have seen by now and haven't. Hmm. I'm searching for Graham Curry on Twitter now because I'd want to let him know if we named an episode after him. <laughs> Uh, there's a film fanatic, Graham Curry. Film fanatic, professional production manager. Is he production manager? Miscellaneous crew, could be. Could be. Yeah, cause that's the type of role where you just, hey, you, guy, go sit there and, yeah. <laughs> and we're gonna put, we're gonna put you in a scene. Production manager on a short film and a video game. And producer? He's got two producer credits. Uh, associate producer and line producer. I think this is the guy. And he's followed by a few people I know, so. I'll tweet him, say, hey, I host a podcast about about time. Am I right that you were an extra in it? Please get in touch. We'd love to have you on the show. But it could technically not be this guy at all. He looks similar, but then the guy in the movie has darker hair, and the real guy has... I'm trying to see the left side of his face, because he has like a mole. But we see him from the right, and I'm like, that's not helpful. <laughs> You know how, Robert, you said that we were going to, like, you wanted to do these episodes quick, and the two, <laughs> we spent so much time on each little moment of this minute. Yeah. Uh, oh, he was in Mr. Selfridge, Graham Curry, and uh, Greg, who was in my film The 16th Minute, is one of the lead roles in Mr. Selfridge, so, you know, maybe we've got a mutual friend in the Graham Curry. So, 
this is the the level of standards that we set with this show. <laughs> I know someone who knows someone who knows Graham Curry. Well, that makes you guys practically family. Surprising, there's just so many commuter credits. There was someone who was a Christmas shopper and a commute, uncredited. I don't know Christmas shopper. What 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 scene this is? Oh, probably this... in the montage. Although maybe there's a cut part of this scene and he's John, played by Tom Sturgeon. Because I don't know who John is. <laughs> Goodness knows. <laughs> yeah, who who the heck's John? Is Who's John uncredited? Who's Trudy? I don't know. Trudy <laughs> rings a bell. Oh, Trudy might be the five at the the Jay's speech. They may have said a name there. I can't remember. Oh, um, there's another. There's the other clap now. I'll be like, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I forgot what that was. Maybe you'll have found the man by now. It would be helpful if they listed it a little more. On the nose, like you said, instead of just commuter. <laughs> well, it, it might be the problem is it's these actors or extras who put their credit in. Yeah. And so you put commuter not even thinking, oh, someone else is going to put that. It's like, I played a commuter. It's fine. Yeah, actually, when, when, I, when I'm looking at Graham Curry, a lot of his pictures remind me of Rob Gronkowski, like a skinny Rob Gronkowski. So <laughs> <laughs> I could see this being the same guy, though. Although, yeah, because I got a headshot from 2014. Film the film was in 2013. Yeah, I mean his hair could have been different. Oh, wait, in all honesty, too, he could just be completely not credited. <laughs> Problem is, we don't see this guy straight on, so I can't compare like the length of the nose. Or... Yeah, and I see what you mean about the mole, and it's like I was trying to look, and I don't think there's one there, but it's it could just literally be it's not clear, you know, from where the way he's kind of got his head cocked, and it's from the side there. And then the second time we see him from his right, so we'd see even less of that. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to compare his LinkedIn photo, which has where his hair looks darker. I hope this guy appreciates all the effort that we're <laughs> putting into yes, the look up Graham Curry if you need a freelance production manager with 13 years experience. Howling Wolf Films. That's what we have. Every episode we have a glorified extra. <laughs> I'm going to their bio. Yeah, right? <laughs> Well, that's I like when we were doing, you know, we were doing Heartbreak Ridge and Clint Eastwood yeah. does, he, he uses the same people since, uh, like, like Pete Koch was explaining this to us that some of the people on his crew met Clint Eastwood during Rawhide. But, you know, oh, but wow. yeah, and he, and he just used up like his stunt double. They met on Rawhide and he's like, you're my guy. And he, and he, and he always throws him a little role here and there. And what we discovered in Heartbreak Ridge, there's a a guy that does – I think he's a script doctor, basically. He goes in, he's script continuity, you know, cleans stuff up, and he always plays usually a cop. <laughs> he's always like a desk sergeant or in Heartbreak Ridge. He, there's a scene where Clint Eastwood's coming out of out of jail after he's released from jail, and, there, and he's arguing with, the, with one of the police officers that arrested him, and apparently they had a history. Well, there's another cop following – and he holds back the cop that gets mad at Clint Eastwood when, you know, Clint Eastwood talks crap to him. And that's the script guy. <laughs> and he, <laughs> and he's been in like Dirty Harry, you know, I mean, you name it. He's been in a Clint Eastwood film. Yeah. And it's just, he, he, he's loyal to the people that work good for him and he throws them a bone here and there and they, they get their SAG card that way. They give them a line usually. And that, that way, like they get their insurance. They get to keep working. And then they also do their main job as whatever crew member that they that they are. So, and and given that like Graham Curry was in a lot of, I can't speak for Richard Curtis, but given the fact that he was in a lot of the movies, what, what did we say he was in a lot of his movies? 
He was in Warhorse. We know he's in that. A few. Yeah. So you know, it could be one of those things where oh, he's a man from Uncle. I think that's a highly underrated movie. This guy's been in a lot of good movies. <laughs> the hair is eyes. It doesn't help. <laughs> Chin. Chin shape is similar. That's what I was going with. That was the ground lines are similar. I was really hoping he had like a, a pronounced like cleft chin or something to try to like, oh, that's him or, you know, but it's. Yeah, yeah. But. That's why, yeah, if we saw him from the other side and that mole was there, I'd be like, yeah, that's him. Okay. Otherwise it's like, if it's him, he lost a couple pounds before he took his IMDb photos. That's, I actually would have. Cause the, it's all similar, but slightly different. Exactly. I mean, the hair color, you can, yeah, you can kind of, you know, get different haircut, different, you know, people change their stuff all the time. Um, yeah. He does look like he lost weight. I, I I actually would have argued that, oh, this must be from before he filmed this when he was a little bit younger. But it's actually, <laughs> if some of those photos are, are past this film. So, yeah, hey, he could have he lost some weight. <laughs> the problem I'm having now is uh, Graham Curry has a not a, quite a widow's peak, but he's got kind of a pointy part where his hair, like, parts. And this guy doesn't. Yeah. But if you cut your hair short enough, that can kind of disappear. Yeah. And this guy's hair is short, so I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say. <laughs> but this happens. I've I've still never figured out who plays Michael Myers' mother in Halloween, oh. <laughs> the original, because yeah, she that... has no credit, and she no one has found her and got her to Hallelujah to like conventions and stuff. So yeah, he was. Su- there's no record of who she is, and the picture of her is horrible. So I went through and looked at <laughs> movies made in L.A. That year and looked at cast of like the actresses. What did they look like? And random ones who played mothers and played random women and got nothing. <laughs> and that's such a big movie. Uh, I'm, I mean, I granted it was, you know, probably a low budget, never expected mm-hmm. it to become what it became back yeah. in the day. But I mean, it's just amazing that something that culturally known and <laughs> this woman just doesn't exist, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cause she's in that one scene and then is gone. Yep. And they probably never even... But we know who the father is, because he has a line, so he gets a credit. Right, right. Have we found out anything more about that guy, or no? Nothing conclusive. (laughs) That's a shame. Well, I've tweeted the first guy we thought it might have been. We'll wait for a reply from him. What, have I missed much interesting conversation? We're just more of our investigation. That's about it. Investigation, disappointment. Yeah. (laughs) It also bothers me, moving on, that I can't tell what song is playing on his in his earphones. <laughs> of course, that will bother you. <laughs> well, especially when Tim. I mean, well, this isn't this minute, but when Tim starts dancing to it, I'm like, yeah. I want. What's he dancing to? I don't know. Have you tried the Siri thing? What? For do you when you ask Siri to name that tune? You don't really. Well, hear the problem it, is you can't hear it yeah. enough. Oh yeah, because it's got Golden Them Hills playing over it, hasn't it? Yeah. <sighs> Which this time it's, it's yeah, it's, you just can't hear it. I can't believe I would be annoyed at Golden Them Hills playing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ron, if you're listening. Anyway, uh, Lights Out is the next thing. I assume we should probably go to that. Yeah. Now we've been, yeah. Oh, we're still in the first minute. <sighs> Version of me editing this probably deserves a break right now. So, you know, take a break. <laughs> now, um, to get back to the minute, I have a yeah. problem with Mary's storage of manuscripts. <laughs> uh, now... It's possible Posey never ruined a manuscript. We don't know if that got erased or not. But you still have two little kids. You don't stack a bunch of manuscripts on the table by your bed. One manuscript shirt, like the one you're reading right before bed, you set it down. She's got two stacks. It's not right. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's not... 
yeah, the manuscript is by a glass of water as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I know what happens when water gets near stuff. Uh, I've, we've been there already. Yes, yeah. Let's get back to Tim. Mm. Yeah, tough day. <laughs> and then we can go straight into 102, I guess. Yeah. And then came part two of Dad's plan. He told me to live every day again almost exactly the same. The first time with all the tensions and worries to stop us noticing how sweet the world can be, but the second time, noticing. And then, uh... Why can't you do this in bed? What do you mean? Time is this a... Well, just by going under the... The bedroom is really dark. <laughs> Wouldn't Mary have the shock of her life? Or would she not notice anything? She wouldn't notice, because when he comes back, he comes back to that same moment, I assume. I guess. Maybe he'd vibrate or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there, are, there are jokes which I could yeah. say. But I, 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 was, I was so <laughs> through myself. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Let the listeners make the jokes on that one. It's fine. <laughs> I think we should just leave, like, the long... We need to keep that silent pause in. I know you normally edit out silence, but we need to just keep yeah. that, <laughs> that pause. Because it's the build-up where they'll think we're going to say something. <laughs> It's actually, it's actually quite nice for Mary when Tim finds yeah. out. Hey, can you do that again? <laughs> I think it was funny when we didn't say it. <laughs> now, actually, so th- that brings up a question, though. Is like, you really don't try to think about <laughs> it too hard. But <laughs> if he, when he when he leaves, does like, is it like the is like like is it like when Yoda disappeared and returned the Jedi, and then the blankets fall? Like if he stayed in bed and did that, and would she then turn over? Like, does time continue while he <laughs> while he's gone until he gets I, back? I assume that when he comes back, he literally comes back to the same moment he left. Yeah. So the blanket wouldn't be able to fall. Maybe there'd be a blink, like a moment where he's not there, but then he's yeah. there. I, I mean, I, I agree either that, that. we don't the see time, that. It doesn't matter. Either that or the time yeah. he's in gets erased, and that Marion timeline doesn't exist anyway for anything. Well, to yeah, I guess you're right because I guess they have shown that he can mess up things and then he can go back and fix it worries about that too that's why he wanders off to a closet well you know like i i was gonna say like i like the dark restaurant he could have had a lot of fun yeah (laughs) yeah exactly maybe that's what was touching (laughs) yeah it was him it was tim later (laughs) well like i like the whole this whole concept right here where his you know like he decides to do what his dad told him to do where it's like go live the second day go live the same day over again uh, and and notice like notice take it take it all in like it's it's such a cool concept that I never would have thought of if I if I were granted these powers and just left to my own devices I never would have thought something relatively mundane is to just live your life and go live your life a second time but this time you have yeah. the benefit of 2020 hindsight and you could realize that hey maybe things aren't as you know stressful or uh, serious as as I thought they were the first time, and but I, I would be I'd be afraid that if I would constantly have to keep living the same day over and over again because I'd mess something up that went right the first time. I'm like, I got to go back and fix it again, and I'm constantly in a loop of the same day. <laughs> Luke, you need to get your hands on time freak. <laughs> yes, Reminder. I will do. Okay. Yeah, Short I time. was just um, going to say I'd completely forgotten that normally between the two minutes we do. Our new segment, as of a couple of weeks ago, of reading a bad about time review. Ah. So here's a half a star review. I haven't read it. This review may contain spoilers. These reviews are read for comic purposes and are the views of the reviewer, not the podcast host. The reviewer's name is removed to avoid any unnecessary hate or spamming. And now, on with the show. For a movie, it should have hit me on a very personal level. This one just fell flat. 
The story it tells is profoundly uninteresting. Donald Gleeson's Tim Lake is surely one of film's first protagonists that never encounters any conflict. I suspect this is an intentional decision on the part of the film's creators since the conceit of the film is that Lake can travel back in time to get a redo on any bad decisions he makes. They promptly proceed to tell his story in such a way that only good things happen to him. And while that's an admirable melding of form and function, it still results in a story that's nearly plotless. Every time they appear to be taking it to an interesting direction, every time the narrative opens up new doors of possibility, the film promptly puts on the brakes, closes all those interesting doors, and gets back down to the track of following Lake's extraordinary, ordinary life. The most striking demonstration... I love that little quote in there. That was quite well done. The most striking demonstration of this is the story's decision to never at any point allow the hero to tell his wife that he's a time traveller. But two smaller examples. First, this has the scene that's a bit of a staple in the romance genre. The guy secretly learns that the girl he's trying to seduce is interested in some obscure topic. So the guy learns about the topic in his spare time. Is this a staple of the romantic genre? Okay. Then meets the girl and pretends he's interested in it too and she's swept off her feet. You love Arcade Fire too, the indie rock band based in Montreal, Quebec, California, consisting of husband and wife Wynne Butler and Regine Chassigny, along with, I don't know these names, we'll skip them. Uh, they're my favourite band, they're shifting C-roll of guitar crescendos and violin... I get the point, I'll skip to the end of that <laughs> quote. The quote goes on for a while. Yeah, you know the scene, it's a funny one, but the humour comes from our knowing that, at some point later in the story, the girl is going to learn that she was tricked, that the guy was only pretending and his uppance will come. Well, that never happens in about time. Lake learns that Rachel McAdams' character is a fan of Kate Moss, then travels back in time to meet her again and pretend he's also a fan, even repeating her thoughts back to her verbatim. I mean, it's not that he goes back in time to do that. They seem to be ignoring that part in the review. And then, well, that's it. His deception is never revealed, and that part of the story is just completely dropped. Not only is this disturbing the amoral... It's erased. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay to lie to women as long as it gets you laid. It's also another example of how this film painstakingly avoids ever raising any dramatic stakes. I mean, I think I, I a different this child like left the theater to go to the bathroom right when Kit Kat was going to get in an accident and just and then and then stuff. erased the child yeah. <laughs> and all of these. <laughs> mm. Or they didn't pay any attention to the little kid, so they're like, "Why is he looking at it yeah. weird? I don't understand." <laughs> the other, at one point, after he's exclusive with McAdams, he runs into an old crush played by Margot Robbie. And after drinks, she invites him up to her apartment for sex. That our gaunt, awkward, red-headed hero is able to land Rich McAdams and Margot Robbie is just something we're asked to run with. So standing in the doorway, he has a crisis of conscience. And it was at this point I was absolutely certain I knew which direction the film would take. He'd have sex with Robbie, then travel back in time and not have sex with her and go back to McAdams. That would be interesting. Yeah. We'd finally get some conflict. But considering the next scene is him proposing to her, it would probably be a little... We wouldn't be able to connect with Tim, so I disagree entirely. Although this is what you thought happened, right, Robert? That's kind of how I remembered it, yeah. Because I hadn't watched the movie in a few years. And I was thinking he went into the room before it left. And in his mind, can erase the betrayal. Oh, well, in this timeline, I never actually cheated on her. I'm still a good husband. But he wasn't a husband at this point either. He would have cheated on her because he's still him, but whatever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He'd be trying to have his cake and eat it too, and we'd see how that eats at him. Until he finally has an awakening or he changes his ways. This conflict between his behaviour... It's just a different yeah. film. Something I don't like this film. Because it's not a different film. It's, it's like, it, oh... A lot I'm, of what I'm they're not... complaining about is I'm pretty sure deliberate things the movie does. This this isn't a movie about giant dramatic things in this guy's life. It's about, it's about the normality of yeah. life. Yeah. Whilst also about time travel. But using time e- travel... Even the time travel is so... Normal. Normal. 
that, as I've said, you can imagine that it doesn't even happen, and it's all a metaphor. And the movie's the exact same. Mm. So it says the conflict between his behavior and his entity, basically a breakdown of the protagonist's cosmic narcissism, would be a welcome burst of morality from the picture. Nope, he just does the right thing, and yet another interesting avenue goes unexplored. It was at this point that I pretty much checked out. (laughs) All right, (laughs) this makes it so much more clearer. I knew there were no more surprises to be had and was absolutely correct. I'm not I've even got, bothered by I've it. I've got an ending for them. He goes back with his father right at the end. And then he comes back to the present and it's just in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. <laughs> it's all his fault. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Shall we make this film, Robert? <laughs> and then send it to this reviewer and be like, there you go. We could now probably you can steal have a shot from like Star Wars to get Donald Gleason behind some like wreckage or something. And just, <laughs> we don't question his hair. Yeah, yeah. It's like the original ending mm-hmm. to Army of Darkness, where yeah. Actually, we don't even have to change it. It's literally like Star Wars. At the end of the movie, <laughs> he comes back and he's dressed like a Nazi. <laughs> it's like what the what the hell just happened? Or 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 better yet, he you know you show a scene. Of him uh, in a, standing in his uh, a trashed up house, and it turns out it was a bunch of rabbits destroyed the house, and they blame him. <laughs> Which incidentally also stars Margot Robbie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even bothered by its illogic, aren't you? Or the way it cheats by telling us the rules of time travel only to break them, or even the haphazard way of supporting the supporting characters are defined. For example, neither my wife and I were aware until an hour into the movie where the hero's sister was aware that her brother and father could travel through time. Well, she wasn't, was she? Why would you think that she was? He literally tells her on screen. Yeah. So we can assume she didn't already know. The film never never dared to show us, does it? All right. So I could just get past it all, if if only the story wasn't all so just safe. And that's it. Anyway, that was our our bad review of the week. It's a fun segment to do, to be honest. And it's nice how hard it is to actually find some bad reviews. And we can't find any particularly awful reviews from critics, but a few people leave awful reviews like that that are quite funny. It's um, a little late in the show, but I could start taking a negative angle. <laughs> <laughs> you suddenly got, uh, you just had a heel turn, and it never saw it coming. Yeah. <laughs> For example, there's a huge time travel problem about to come up in a second. Which I have yeah. Complaints. Okay. So, Goldenham Hills plays. If anyone's I interested in, you're jumping ahead. Am I? Because that's the problem. We don't get the time travel sound effects. So, what's going on here? What is this crap, Richard Curtis? <laughs> <laughs> you think you can just insert some cheesy song and we just know what's going on? No, you have to put a label on the screen. <laughs> Tells us what day it is. Um. So yeah, it's just yeah. So then, Goldenham Hills plays. <laughs> if the listeners. Want to know how the... Okay, I'm going to give them a clip, a little sneak clip of the Ron Sexsmith episode. But I'm going to give you two the choice as to which one of these two it is. A, do we have Ron saying when he first found out it was in the film? Oh, no. Good time. Okay, we're without Luke for a yeah, few minutes. Yeah, I was going to say. What do we want to say about him? He, he forgot to warn you, but okay, the last few times we've recorded this hasn't happened, but like... Before that, every time his internet would cut out at one point. In our oh, really? <laughs> but he usually comes right back. Oh, how annoying. Yeah, I've been working from home, and that happens to me all the time. I'll just be sitting there, and I'll be like, oh, I'm not online anymore. But anyways, you know, I, I was since we were talking about Golden Dem here, uh, Dem Hills, I will say that I I knew the song. It, it sounded familiar when I when I heard it, and 
if I if you had told me that this song was written specifically for this movie, I would have hundred percent believed you. <laughs> because yeah. it, it matches perfectly, which I'm sure was why it was picked and you know, it was I mean, obviously films are done intentionally and this was intentionally asserted yeah. here, but I, I mean I would have thought that this was specifically done for this film. And then I saw it when I looked it up and I saw that it was two thousand two, I think it came out. I was I was a little surprised about that. Because <laughs> um well, go ahead. What I should say before Luke comes back is that he keeps mentioning this song because he's obsessed with the soundtrack. Okay. Right? And Hello? he's mentioning the song and I'm like, I don't know what song he's talking about. <laughs> and I'll get to that why I think next episode or in a couple okay. episodes. Because a different song plays coming up and I always forgot that Golden M Hills is here <laughs> because I love the, the song Into My Arms and it's, which is also in one of my other favorite movies. But we'll get to that later. But Luke would bring up this song, and I'm like, I don't know what song you're talking about. <laughs> okay. So now you know what song I'm talking about. Yeah, which, yeah. So, which, and, and then as we're doing the think? show, like I it? wasn't watching ahead. So I'm like, I still don't know which song you're talking about until you brought up like us possibly doing a thing with Ron Sexsmith about it. I'm like, eh, well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did, you, what, did you, what did you think of it in the end? Oh, it's good, you like yeah. The song? So I didn't get to hear your answer if you heard me finish the question. Or we not. we only heard option one. Okay. So either option one, Howie Howie's in the film, we already heard that bit. Or um, the other option is his inspiration for the song and how he wrote it. Uh, well, since it ki- I kind of mentioned, I-, I was just talking about how I didn't realize that this song wasn't actually made for this film in particular. Yeah. I, yeah. I would almost go with option two. I want to know what his inspiration was then. If it wasn't this film, what was his inspiration? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that will be playing now. <laughs> well, with, with Golden Hills, I wrote it right after, like I wrote it, I think in 2000. My family had just fallen apart and I was living, I was single for the first time in years and I was living with my accountant, you know, and everything was sort of crammed into one bedroom and I was kind of a little bit depressed. So I was trying to write a song that would make me feel better. And I was thinking of those old depression era songs that Bing Crosby used to sing, like Pennies from Heaven or, mm. um, you know, Accentuate the Positive or something. So I was, so th- that's where the song came from. And I kept playing this riff on the piano. And the only lyrics I could think that went with it was Golden Them Hills. And I always thought, well, that's not very good, but I'll change that later, you know, once <laughs> I get the verses. And I, I it was just sort of, I don't know, it just sort of popped into my head even before I had any other lyrics. And uh But it, it just, it all came pretty easily once I got uh, on a roll with it. And it was actually the very first song I ever wrote on the piano, which in itself was I was kind of proud of because I, I'm, a, I'm still a lousy piano player. But but anyway. So yeah, that's uh, that that's it, really. I think we'll talk more about Golden Them Hills in the actual interview special, but it's, it's genuinely one of my favorite songs. I love it. And I recommend you all check out like all of the music of Ron Sexsmith. Well, I haven't listened to all of it yet myself, but listened to a lot of it, and it's great. It's all lovely, and that that that, that same kind of just hope and uplifting type of music, which I think we need now more no than ever. No kidding. <laughs> which, given what I was saying before about being unfamiliar with the song, every time you'd say the name Ron Sexsmith, I pictured like some like hard rocker from the eighties. Oh yeah, yeah. If if you yeah, that that's definitely like a, a hair metal you know type name. Yeah. Or maybe he was that. I didn't look him up. Maybe he was that, and then he got older and started doing more mellow, cheesy songs. I don't know. But yeah, let's go to the rest of this minute, because we've been talking for a while. Uh, he says, okay, Dad, let's give it a go. And then we're back in the office with the... 
And that's, I'm not going to go into the rest of it. But there you go, that's my rendition of the, of the, actually, not going to lie, once I tried to see, because there was an instrumental track of Golden Them Hills, I tried to see whether I could record an entire acapella version. I gave up very early on. <laughs> I recorded like the backing and I realised I'd already sped up at different points and it didn't work and I was like, nah. Um, and that was it. So we've got, and what's our statement at the moment? This is with the revised, Robert, this does not pass. Is this the best you can do? Is it Robert? This is the best you can do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I got notes in bold. I got notes in red. This is, this is pretty good. I know it doesn't seem that way. I love that he calls him Robert, day. by the way, because he yeah. called him Rupert. So that means <laughs> yeah, little tiny time. things change that have nothing to do with Tim. Oh, you've even gone down to the point of the annotation on the next page. This is, <laughs> you have, you have done some good prep. Well, it's cause I don't run the minutes while we're recording, so I gotta remember what things <laughs> look like. What's going on? Right, see, I, I've got, I might have shown you anyway, I've got one monitor on just my main laptop screen in front of me with the transcript, and I've got the minute on the other monitor, um, which is maybe why I lose my internet all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and heck, I've got a lot of tabs open, but I don't want to touch anything in case I close the wrong thing. So we've talked already about the folders and stuff last week. Uh-huh. And how weird they are. The bad labels. Yeah. And he says, I'll leave you two to thrash this out. And even though the bills are piling, Rob goes, ooh, maybe Lady Luck ain't smiling. And then we go to the, good afternoon, sir. So what was the Tim Raises notebook? I haven't even got that shot. Hang on, give me a second. Well, Tim makes really exaggerated face as the boss is reading the report or whatever it was they did, the statement. And then he raises his notebook and it says, total d- <laughs> with an arrow right at the boss. <laughs> That's why Rory says, ooh. Tim laughs. Good time. I don't, I genuinely think every time I've watched this, I'd never tweaked that, which is awful. Because it's such a good gag. But yeah, that's it really. So, good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Are you eating in or taking away? Obviously, we're back at pret a at this point. Yeah. Is that all this? Oh, it is all this minute. It's at the very latter part of this minute. I was surprised that we had fit all this in. Uh, take away, please. Yeah, no problem. Would you like a bag? That's fine. Lovely. I love how it's different. Yeah, I was just reading your... Because it's, it's only minor things with the dialogue. Like, he's paying a little more attention, but it goes for close-ups on her face and his. Like, we didn't really see her face the first time. Yeah. Now she's a person. So just like, Tim is seeing her, we're seeing her. It's great. And not only is he seeing her, he's seeing her... I, I mean, I took it as she was always being this nice and this charming. Yeah. He was just too too distracted uh-huh. by what he whatever he had going on. Clearly, he was stressed with his job. He was late for his <laughs> for his court. So uh-huh. he, he just, she, like you said, she wasn't a person. She was just there. And when he actually took a moment to realize, Hey, I'm not, I'm not as rushed. I'm not as stressed. I know everything's going to work out. Hey, what a lovely lady. She, look how nice she's being. She's just doing her job, yeah. but she's being, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I joked that I'm like, Oh, she's just so charming. <laughs> you know, like she's just so lovely. You just can't help but being. It's very infectious when people are like that. I way. feel you notice more when people are horrible than yeah. when people are lovely. And that's a good place to finish this and ask, uh, Brian, where can our listeners find you on social well, media? Well, we're the Marine Corps Movie Minute podcast and, you know, we, I do a lot of Instagram. That's the one I like the most. And it's, uh, the Marine Corps Movie Minute pod is our handle there. But we are, we're also on Twitter. It's a MCMM underscore podcast for Marine Corps Movie Minute. And of course, we're, you know, we're on Facebook, easy to find there. And, and, uh, if you just Google us, we pretty much, we, we pop up pretty much everywhere, and we're happy to have everybody come and come and uh, follow us and chat chat us up on social media. And Rob, where can listeners find you? Robert E. G. Black on all your social media on Letterbox, Facebook, wherever. 
or go to lemmingdrops.com to find links to all the podcasts and their social media links because there's most of them have separate ones. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at llama underscore bottle zero, Instagram at ginger luke, Facebook Luke Allen film, all podcasts, short films, radio appearances, new favorite articles, everything I'm remotely involved in is at lukeallen.co.uk. This show is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Two Men's About Time. They can find us on IMDb now. Can we, is that a thing we can plug? Yeah, I mean, if they want to find out, well, it might help them figure out if they don't have time to listen to the whole show, they can find out what guests we had on what episodes. So yeah, it's useful. Yeah, and you can, yes, you can find out what guests we got on each episode. You can also see what guests we've got on in upcoming weeks. The likelihood is that by the time this episode's out, every episode will be listed on there, I'd imagine. Because I tend to, I, I post the episode, the guest, and their title every time I finish editing it. So we're a good way ahead at the moment. Nice. Um, and hopefully we'll continue to be. We tend to end each episode with an interesting way of saying goodbye. So, Brian, do you know any odd, random, or interesting ways of saying goodbye? Uh, toodaloo. <laughs> the Two Minutes About Time theme is performed by Ethan O'Mahony and is a cover of the About Time theme originally composed by Nick Laird Close. Two Minutes About Time is a production of Lemming Drop Studios in association with Bottle O Productions. Mm-hmm.